Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. You think of this 10-30-10 formula, it's 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 10 seconds. So when you're creating a video, you first and foremost want to state the reason of why you're actually doing this video in the first place. Then the 30 seconds is your value prop or just the meat of the video of what you're trying to articulate. And then the last 10 seconds is the call to action. So what do you want them to do? So there's a lot of things you would want them to do, right? I don't know what it is, but that call to action needs to be something that is pointing them towards a certain direction of what you want them to do after you just took your time to describe the value. What do brands like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, Vinyl Proteins, and Blendjet all have in common? They're all seeing 20x ROI from retention.com. Visit retention.com to book a demo today. What's up, everybody? Sorry, I got kicked out of my own event. Uh, <laughs> it, ha- it happens. It happens. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm here with Morgan J. We're going to talk about how to sell on emails and videos. Morgan's an expert at this. Morgan, how do you think about the framework of an email? In general, right? Let's say that you're even doing things for your side hustle, right? It depends on what you're doing. But when you think of a great sales email, there are five components that you need to pay attention to. So the first one is the subject line. Second thing is the intro words to the email. The third is your value prop. The fourth is if you have, this is not always the case, if you have relevant case studies. And five is your call to action. So when you think about any type of email, that's what you need to take in consideration and you need to make sure that those are on point. Let's start with the subject line. What do you need to think about in the subject line? How do you get that? Because that's the first thing to get someone to open the email. Absolutely. So if you're on the sales side, and even if you're even doing internal emails, this is something that I would take in consideration as well. So you want to keep your subject line less than five words. And statistically, I've seen that to be the most successful throughout all the different sales teams and also just teams in general that I've coached on how to do this. Even if you're doing like a marketing campaign, you also want to keep it less than five words. Another key element about this as well, I found this to be really interesting according to the data, is the subject line that has the highest open rates are subject lines that have three words. So that's where you really want to pinpoint is try to get three words. And I'll give you all this tip. So when you're writing your email, a marketing campaign, a sales email, I I don't really care what it is. Look at the body of the email and try to extract words from the body of the email to put in your subject line so it's easier for you to create that. So that's another element that allows you to be successful across the board. I know for a fact when I'm doing my um, newsletters, the ones that have opened up the best are three words. There's some things that I've done that throw an emoji throwing in some things to just pattern interrupt. I know you mm-hmm. love a, a nice little pattern interrupt, but I want to also go now. Now we have a killer subject line. What is the first line of copy you're going with to get the person's attention? When you're thinking about across the board and you're doing, okay, yeah, okay, cool. So that's like the first three to eight words. This is actually the most important part of the email even sometimes more important than the subject line to be very transparent. So this is something that you shouldn't do. Let's just talk about what not to do. 
because I'm not a fan of this uh, intro. So hope all is well. Hope you're doing great, right? <laughs> hope your family is what, whatever it is. All right. These are things that I would tell you to avoid, especially if you're trying to sell something. But just in general, hope all is well. Hope you're doing good, whatever. This is the fastest way to get in the trash can. So if you want to go get deleted, put hope all is well. Put hope is all great. Like if you want to get deleted, like by all means, like go put that. However, what you want to focus on is what are words that are going to immediately pique someone's interest? And here are just a couple things that you can take in consideration. You want to think about the person who you're talking to. So it might be like, hey, noticed your LinkedIn post or saw that you're hiring X person. Or it could be, I also was on your website and saw this, right? Or it could be like people in our space typically look at this, right? So I'm just giving you different examples, but I'm trying to find ways to show that I've done some research. Hey, I've noticed something. I saw something. I identified something. I did research on something. I browsed something. These are ways that you could start off an email to be like, okay, you're talking about me. And when you're thinking of a sales email, it's more context than anything, right? Because I'm providing context to show that I've actually done some type of work, which then prompts you to open up the email across the board. So you always want to think about how can I be talking about them? How can I show them that that's important? So I believe, Audrey, if you're talking about the preheader, that essentially is like the first three to eight words. You want to make sure that those stand out and not like other people. That's why I always tell people don't do hope all as well. Don't say hope you're doing great because most emails start that way. So it's very easy for people to delete it. What you want to be able to do is be like the first three to eight words truly stand out and grab that attention. So just to give a little clarification here, we're talking about one-to-one emails. So for the pre-header for if you're doing a newsletter or something like that, what I like to do in a pre-header is either take a couple first lines of the text so it doesn't look like it's a sales email or anything like that. Or what I'll do is I like to do first line, second line. So when I think about the, the subject line, I think about the next line, what is, how could that, the subject line carry on to the next line? So if I'm going to say like, quick question, for example, I'll be like, the question I'm about to ask is blah, blah, blah. So then that's the second line. So every line of copy in an email for at least like a newsletter style, Morgan's talking more about let's go one-to-one and get someone like a partner to respond to an email, a prospect to respond to an email, a anybody to respond to an email. So just clarifying that um, for everybody. Now that you've got that first line, what are some things that you have to do that research-wise to make sure that someone knows that like this is personalized, this is not you just firing off a thousand emails a day and coming off not caring about <laughs> yeah. them? Absolutely. So one thing that I'll, I will tell you all is going back to what we talked about to even get this information is you want to think about this as fishing. Anybody here gone fishing before? Put a one in the chat if you've gone fishing. I've gone fishing before. I'm not I'm not the greatest at fishing, but I enjoy it. But like, I'm not the greatest. So, you know, when you go fishing, you have to go get bait. Right. And you throw it out in the water so that the fish obviously catch onto the bait so you can reel them in. Right. So when you're thinking about the pre-header that we just talked about for the context Daniel gave, if you're thinking about these first couple words and a sales email, this one-to-one talking to a partner or a prospect, you have to think about what is the hook 
right? The bait, essentially, that's going to get them to be intrigued for me to open up this email. Now, we don't want to bait and switch. <laughs> we just need bait. And so how do you find this bait, right? Well, we're not going to go to the store to find this information. The best way to do this is what is called clues. So you can call them insights. People, Some people call them triggers. I like to call them clues because ultimately, if you go to someone's website and you're trying to reach out to someone one-to-one, there are clues that you could find throughout the internet to show that you've done some research. Because again, people want to know that you know about them. And shout out to Sam McKenna. She has this she has this trademark, which is show me you know me. It's the same thing here. In order to show someone that you know them, you have to find the clues on their website, on their LinkedIn profile to then identify that you've done the research to reach out to them. So that's how you get the clue. And then once you get the clue, then that is a part of your first couple words or your sentence that's going to hook them in. So I, I know we're, we're talking about emails now, but I think one of the other ways before we go down a whole email is that you do very well is popping into let's say LinkedIn DMs or popping into email and adding a video. So how, mm. when you're adding a video, first of all, where do you insert a video? What's the right time to insert a video when you're reaching out to a prospect or you're reaching out to a client or you're reaching out to a customer? And then how are you going to open up that email? Let's just start off with where do you insert it first? Is it a LinkedIn DM, an email? Where is the email being, the video being inserted? And then let's talk about your hook when you start doing that. Perfect. Uh, so let's, let's get some context to the chat. When it comes to video, how many of y'all have done this before? Just a quick yes or no. I want to see like where everyone's at. Cause if everyone's no, we're going to run it super detailed here, but if it's a yes, then, you know, we can, we can go a little bit into it and it just could be video in general. This could be video internally, video to a prospect, to a partner. Like it, it doesn't really matter, but I'm just curious where are people at when it comes to their video game? Yes or no, if you've done this before, and then we'll talk about it. So I don't know if you have done this before, but on LinkedIn, you could send people a video as long as you're connected to them on the first degree level. So when you're connected to someone on the first degree level, you could go ahead and send them a video. And video, I still believe to this day, is one of the best ways to connect with somebody without obviously meeting them in person. Because you know that that is starting to happen more and more as we obviously open up. But if you can't meet them in person, you can't really articulate your voice or even you can't on the phone, but you can't really articulate your body language. And when you get on the phone, it changes everything or going to the video, it changes everything. So when you're thinking about delivering a video, I always like doing it on LinkedIn, especially when I just connect with somebody to just put a face to the name and they know who I am. It's allowed me to increase my partnerships. It's allowed for me to even increase sales, increase people to show up. I just said someone increasing show up to like demos if they're going there, appointments. This is just a great way to just show up without obviously having to show up in person. And when I do a LinkedIn video, there's three different elements that I do them in. One is if I'm running a, let's say I'm running an outbound campaign, I'm going to do this as my fourth touch. When I've already sent them an email, I've already called them. Perfect time for me to send them a video to then it allows it to warm up a little bit. Second thing is, is if you're working on the marketing side, this is really good to just send messages to vendors or partners to answer something, right? Those are one of the best things that you could do as well. The third thing that I love to do is if you are trying to get more business, maybe you're a business owner, you have a side hustle, or you're trying to get something across to somebody and you're asking for a favor, 
I love to do it for referrals. I send videos to people when I ask for referrals. So it's not, if I can't reach them via call, I can always send that video. Now, the last part that you mentioned there, Daniel, is what is like the structure of the video? And also how long is it? When you think of how long a video is, it depends on the context of what you're talking about. So if you're sending a video to someone that you haven't talked to before, you want to keep it between 45 and 60 seconds. I always tell people try to be less than like 55 to 60 seconds. If you're doing a video, like a video proposal, like I just did one this morning, that's going to be between two to five minutes of me articulating something to somebody. And if you haven't done a video proposal for, I don't know if anyone here has done that, game changer. The proposal is not for the person you're talking to. It's for the person that you haven't talked to. So if you're able to articulate your value in two to five minutes versus hopping on a 30-minute call, you're saving people time, you're closing more deals, you're getting more opportunities across the line. Even for people here as well on the marketing side, if you're trying to get a project across, you don't have to hop on a meeting for 30 minutes. You can articulate the project in two to five minutes. You don't have to hop on a call and everyone's happy. So I definitely would take that as an idea. If you haven't done it before, it saves everybody time. When are, are the differences of when you're going to send an email in the process versus a video? Do you normally send it as the first reach out to someone or is it a second reach out or when is the best time to start yeah. video versus Great email? Great question. So I'm going to do email first and then I'm going to do, I always do email later. Unless the only time I do a video first is if it's someone that it's like an intro where they're intro me to somebody, I like to make that first impression very strong. So I'll send them a video first and then I will then obviously schedule whatever we need to schedule from there. So that's the way that I go about that. Awesome. And then let's just go dive into uh, the structure of a good video because a lot of people underrate how good videos. And also I want just to give context to the audience, like how well has video actually worked for, for you in your career? Like, have you actually seen actual results of it? Or when you're doing a cold reach out, do you see the effect of email getting higher responses than just not doing email? I mean, video. When you think of structure, so I like to call this formula 10, 30, 10 formula. This is what I typically tell people to focus on. And this is the way that I actually focus on the coaching people. So when you think of this 10, 30, 10 formula, it's, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 10 seconds. So again, it goes back to the length that I said. So when you're creating a video, you first and foremost want to state the reason of why you're actually doing this video in the first place. If you just say, hey, what's up? How's it going? Like <laughs> people are going to be like, what are you talking about? So you want to come with a reason. Typically, I tell people to say, hey, the reason for my video is because people crave reasons. So they're more willing to hear you out when you start with the reason for my video is. If you have like a clue, like we talked about earlier, that's a great way to start it as well. Your clue could be a project you're working on internally. Hey, reason I'm reaching out, we're working on this project. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Or, hey, I saw this on your website. Here's what I want to talk about. Or, hey, I noticed this on your LinkedIn profile. This is what I'm talking about. So you want to have a reason to start. You don't want to jump into like the value prop or whatever you want to talk to them about yet. You want to start the reason. Then the 30 seconds is your value prop or just the meat of the video of what you're trying to articulate. And this could be a lot of different things. Maybe you're saying, hey, we want to partner with you. Maybe it's something around a side hustle. Maybe it's something around something you're trying to sell. The 30 seconds is the value prop that's going to get people to draw in. 
And then the last 10 seconds is the call to action. So what do you want them to do? So there's a lot of things you would want them to do, right? Maybe you're trying to book a meeting. Maybe you're trying to get some type of partnership conversation going on. Maybe you want them to download something. I don't know what it is, but that call to action needs to be something that is pointing them towards a certain direction of what you want them to do after you just took your time to describe the value. Someone in the chat on LinkedIn asked, like, how did you get comfortable with doing video? Because video is awkward for a lot of people. So how did you get comfortable doing it? Oh, for my first videos are terrible. I wish <laughs> I wish video had like the OG videos of me because they're so bad. And I like I was like massively uncomfortable at first. And I think that's a great question. I don't know if anyone here on the on Airmeet here is uncomfortable with video as well. Put it to if you feel uncomfortable doing video and you're just like, or at first maybe you were uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. The best way that I tell people to start getting comfortable is when you start doing your videos, not you don't have to write it out step by step. But what I did is I bullet pointed out what I wanted to say so that I had some type of leading point to talk about. In the beginning, it was obviously nerve wracking because I'm sending out a video to someone and they may just ignore me. But what I found out, though, at the end of the day is by writing out like line by line by line, it allowed me to then be more comfortable in how I went about it. And it's just like with anything, like most things in life are uncomfortable when you started driving, when you first started selling, when you first started running a campaign, when you first put out your first post. And Han already said it. It comes down to just doing it every single day. So I got comfortable by being uncomfortable and being consistent. But I also had a framework that I followed, like the 10-30-10, that allowed me to be consistent because all I had to do was follow the framework and not overthink it. Because your overthinking will allow you to then not do it and then you being afraid and then you being uncomfortable. And so what I did is I would do 10 videos every single day. I even do like 10 voice notes a day just to like stay sharp. And when I did 10 videos every single day, I think for when I was a sales rep, that was probably like eight months of me doing that. I became so comfortable with making a video. I didn't need to do as much bullet points or writing out scripts, right? Because I was just so comfortable in doing it. But at first, I was really afraid of it as well. One of the key skills in marketing is knowing how to sell. Sales is a life skill. Learning how to be comfortable with video, learning how to do cold outreach, just knowing the, what salespeople do and every day in their career helps you become a better marketer. Also, the frameworks that Morgan's talking about could be applied to a lot of different things that you do in marketing as well. So just wanted to give the context, like sales and marketing need to be best friends. Sales and marketing need to be on the same page. You should know what your sales reps are doing on a daily basis. Just wanted to give the context of everybody here for that. Also, I want to go into this a little deeper is, You've trained a lot of people on these stuff. What what are some results that you've seen by doing video with your clients that you've worked with, with your customers that you work with? What are some like cool wins that you can share? Well, let's first of all, let's shout out Britta because she said that she's gonna go do her first video. So shout out to that. We 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 love we love we love that. Uh so I saw Megan was asking, like, okay, like <laughs> what are the results? So when I share these results, these are real results not saying everybody's gonna get these results disclaimer however these are real results so i'll mention three different clients i really like the results that they got and to give you all context these are in different um industries so these people are in europe we have some people who target cybersecurity, it sales right so they're all across the board and i'll just give you a couple and then i'll give you mine as well so let's talk about the first client so 
I had one client, they did LinkedIn videos. They've sent over like a thousand videos at this point. Uh, they've told me that their reply rate is 35%. Uh, and then also as well, they were an account executive, so they were a seller. So they also saw that their sales cycle, this is actually really interesting. Their sales cycle length decreased. So they had like 60 days to like 35 days because of their videos that they would make. So it made the prospect more open to discovery. That's what they told me. I, I found that to be interesting. And then also as well, they had higher access to power. So they were getting to decision makers faster by doing these videos. So that was number one. Second person, they were on point. They had a 55% reply rate and they were their only job was booking meetings. So they had a 55% reply rate with video. And then the third person, they were in customer success. So they were landing expand. And what they were able to do is increase their deal size by doing videos and when they were selling and handling objections. And so by doing videos, they were able to articulate their points more and they were able to expand deals and get two, three times X more deal size across the board. So that those are clients, those are people I've worked with. And then me personally, I did a test. So I did 100 LinkedIn videos to people I've never talked to before in my network that are first three reconnections. And I saw a 40% reply rate and then it was a 15% close rate off of those 40% uh, booked meetings as well. So I'm just giving you all stats. These, these are stats that actually happened, uh, but just gives you some context on how these things work. I've done GIFs in videos that of the a short clip of the video, and that has actually boosted the click-through rate of my emails a ton. What are some techniques that you do if you're going to like insert an a video and an email? What are some things that you do and what are some softwares that you use to to make the best softwares to use video and emails? The softwares, we'll talk about that first and then I'll tell you a structure. So you have Vidyard, you have Loom, right? Uh, you, have, you have those out there, bomb, bomb. So there's, there's a lot of different softwares. I just tell people, go test it out, see what works for you and what you feel comfortable with. I currently use Loom. I really like it. And I'm always testing different video products. I've used them all, but right now I'm using Loom. I, I really, I really like what they're doing from just the UI standpoint. But again, it's preference more than anything. They all create videos. So like they get the job done. And then on the structure part, this is something that's very interesting. This is actually one of my favorite things to do. I might be able to pull it up here and I could drop it in the chat for you all if you found it helpful. What I have found is that when you send someone a video, most people think it's creepy sometimes, right? I don't know if y'all feel that way. If someone sent you a video and you're like, okay, I don't know you and it's kind of creepy, right? It's like, we're talking about it, but let's let's be transparent. Like it could be creepy to get a video out of nowhere from someone you've never talked to before and they're waving at you. They have a whiteboard. You're like, I don't know what's going on. So one of the things that I do as part of the copy is I will, I will address like, hey, did some research and this is what I found, right? So remember when I talked about the hook, I still do the hook. So it's still part of the email component, but then there's two additional things that I do that allow me to get this response. So I tell people how long the video is. I say, hey, this is gonna be less than 60 seconds, less than 45 seconds. I put a disclaimer, because when you think of a video, typically you think probably YouTube. I know we're kind of in the TikTok age now, but typically you think YouTube, like three, four, you know, eight, 10 minutes, right, of my time. I don't have time for that, I don't know you. So I say, hey, this is gonna be less than 60 seconds. Like, don't worry about it. Then the other thing that I do is I, I call it out. I say, I know video might be odd. However, I wanted to stand out in your inbox. Would you be opposed to clicking the video to see what I have to say? So I use that 
Chris Voss, would you be opposed to the power of no? They're going to say, no, I'm not opposed. So that means yes, and they're going to click it. So I use a little bit of psychology there. But I'm calling it out. I'm saying, hey, I, this might, I know this might be crazy. However, I want to stand out, which people appreciate because I know probably a lot of y'all got a lot of spam emails that you don't like to see. So the fact that I took an effort to be different allows them to click it, and then we're good from there. So that's the way that I stage that up. I see people in the chat also saying Loom, but I also wanted to answer a question that someone had is, you said you could send emails to like, I mean, videos to first degree connections. Is this part of your initial cold outreach or uh, a follow-up or both? When is it the appropriate time to do that on LinkedIn versus email? Yeah. So I'm sending, it's typically my fourth touch. So at that point, I've sent two emails to the prospect. Now, here's something that's really important for like everyone. If you're talking to your team or you're considering doing this, I always tell people don't mention a failed attempt. There's no reason to do that. It's like double texting someone and saying like, why didn't you respond to my text? I don't know if like just just like that just isn't going to work. And if you're doing that, I would encourage you not to do that. Like you don't text someone saying, oh, you didn't respond to my text. And like that annoys people. So it's the same thing when you send someone a video and say, hey, like, did you see my email? Like, probably not. So I'm using the video as just another touch point as if they hadn't even seen my emails at all. So I'm doing it as my fourth or f- like fifth touch. And I probably have already sent two emails to warm that up just in case. I think so many people just don't think about how they like to be texted or how they exactly like to be reached out to. Also, the analogy I like to use about like cold outreach is if you're going to go to like a networking event, like what would be the first couple lines you would say in a networking event to introduce yourself? Because you wouldn't go just go sell. Like if I went to go meet Morgan J Ingram in person, I'd be like, Hey Morgan, want to buy my software? I think he's <laughs> going to be like, Hey, get away, get out of my face. But like, if you like introduced yourself, told them a little bit about you. So you've done an email, you've done a, a video, what are some good ways to frame a call to action to someone? What are like good verbiages to use? What are the things you've seen work in a call to action? We can start in video and also we can do an email as well. They're very similar. And also when you think of a call to action, you have to consider like, what are your outcomes? Like, what are you trying to get this person to do? Why did you make this in the first place? So I'll go with the standard one, which is like an interest call to action. So essentially that would be like not asking them for time, but seeing if they're interested in it, which sparks conversation. Your goal is to spark conversation. It's what I always tell people like, yeah, you're trying to get a meeting, but you're trying to spark a conversation that then converts into a meeting. So I might ask, okay, like, would you be interested in having this type of conversation or would you be open to talking to me? Or another one that I really like and clients like is, are you curious to have a deeper dialogue on this topic? These are called interest call to actions. And again, all I'm trying to do is spark interest. So they say, yes, I'm interested. Yeah, I want to have a deeper dialogue, which then leads into us scheduling time. So are you curious for a deeper dialogue on this? Are you interested in hearing about this more? Is this something that you want to talk about in detail? This is what you can do. Second thing is being very direct. Depending on your relationship with the person, you can say, hey, are you free to meet next Tuesday at three, four, five, whatever? That's a direct one. The third one is directing them to something. So you might be like, hey, sign up for my newsletter. Hey, sign up for the blog. Hey, come to this webinar, come to this event. So you might be directing them to something to get more signups. So you have to think about what your outcome is in this, in whatever campaign you're doing. And those dictate the three call to actions that I mentioned. 
I see one question that says, any tips on convincing an older generation to make video? So this is very interesting. I've actually have some people who are older generation. They, they love video. Right? <laughs> they, they, they make a lot of videos. So it more so, yes, on the older generation, that is a context point that we want to address. However, it's not more so convincing someone. It's asking them why they're not doing it in the first place. So what is their hesitation? Are they afraid? Do they not know how to do it? Do they think it doesn't work? Like, I have to first understand, like, why aren't you doing it in the first place? It isn't always like, I, it's just not for me because I'm older. It's like, well, maybe they don't know what to say. And they'd be like, well, if I knew what to say, I'm actually more open to it. Also, it's something that isn't something that they grew up with, too. So that might be like uncomfortable. So what I always do is I first and foremost try to figure out what is the reason that you're not doing it? What are you afraid of? What don't you want to do? Why don't you think it's relevant? And then I try to either find one other people who maybe are their age that are doing it and show them, hey, these are the results that they're getting. Two is ultimately just saying, hey, here's what we're looking to test. Here's what we're looking to try. Because what I what I tell people all the time, and maybe you all feel the same way, you don't know if it's going to work or not until you do it. And if you don't do it, you're still going to be in the same plot place that you were if you didn't do it. So there's not a, the worst case scenario is nothing happens. <laughs> like you get no results. The best case scenario is something happens. So I always tell people it doesn't hurt to try it. Try at least 50 of them, 25 of them, and then you move from there. I see another question that says, what platform are you using for video? Someone might have, they, they missed it because they switched over. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm currently using Loom, but there's a lot of them. There's Vidyard, there's Wistia Soapbox, there's BombBomb, there's Drift Video. I just encourage you to go look at which ones that you like. I currently like Loom a lot, and that's what I'm using. And, and someone asked, are the platforms free to use? Yes, they're free to use, but also depends on your depends on what you're looking to do. Like they're all free to use, but if it's a whole team, that's a different conversation. How do you enter yourself? at a networking event how do you go up to someone and give your first intro yeah so that's a <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna like this one so the thing is i actually don't even really introduce myself i'm gonna be like very transparent with you all when i'm talking to someone i try to find something that they're wearing or maybe something they've expressed that maybe i overheard and i will go and i will lead with that that's actually typically what i lead with i'll actually be like hey like nice shoes, nice socks, nose your shirt, or like, hey, I'll, I'll like pick something out. That's like the first thing that I do. Second thing that I do if I can't pick something out is I don't mention my company name or my title because ultimately that's what everybody else does. There's this book called Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. I don't know if y'all have read it before. I highly encourage you to do so. In the book, it talks about questions that people ask in a survey. It's over a million people. The same things that people say that annoy people. So you saying your company title and, and your company, that's what everyone does. So like it doesn't make you stand out at all. You're not going to be memorable. So what I do is I talk about what is like my day-to-day. So I'll introduce myself and say, hey, like my day-to-day are these things, content creation, sales coaching, and consulting. And then I'll be like, what is your day-to-day? That changes the question, right? I'm not asking what your title is. I'm asking what your day-to-day is, right? Marketing campaigns, demand generation, social media. So what does that do? So now my layering question is going to be like, hey, like, what do you enjoy about your demand generation campaigns? Or like, what is your main project with social media right now? If you ask someone their title, it's too broad. It's like very surface level. If I ask you what your day-to-day is, I'm going to get more answers. You're going to get more excited and you're going to be more elaborate. So the two things that I do is I try to pick something out that they're wearing or something that they're doing, something that I realize that then opens up the conversation. Or two is I talk about my day-to-day and what I do 
And that leads to pretty good conversations as well. It's funny you said that because I, I just want you to go in the correlation of how you usually do that and like even cold outreach. I yeah. think that's like what you just basically saying is you're doing discovery on the person before you, you're going to go say, hey, I'm Morgan J. Ingram. So I just want to take a step back. It's like for just like video or email, what is like your quick two to five minute research? Because we know salespeople and market people don't have a, that much time. To no. Do <laughs> yeah. So I'll keep it super simple. I look at LinkedIn. So I look at three components. I look at your about section, your job title, and your recommendations. I try to see if I could pull something out real quick. And then if I can't find anything there, I go to the website. I look to see who you're hiring. What are you hiring them for? That's like really important. Like if you look at someone's careers page and see who they're hiring, you can tell what they're doing. I could look at a careers page and be like, okay, you're hiring like an event marketing manager, a digital marketing manager, and an influencer. That means that you're probably trying to go find creators to do influencer campaigns. You're going to run more events. So you're going to you have an uptick in your marketing spend. So if I was reaching out to you to sponsor an event as a creator and influencer, I know that you're investing into this. If you go to anyone's career page, it'll tell you the story of what's going on. If they're not hiring anyone, guess what? It's probably not a good sign, right? That means that they're probably like cutting back. They're not doing as much. They're trying to be lean. Like the careers page tells you everything you need to know about an organization very, very quickly. I also look at the press release or it's called the newsroom. I like to see, are they hiring new executives? Do they have product updates? What are they doing? That also gives you a good insight on what they're looking to accomplish. People have a new product update. That means that they're going to spend a lot of their time, as all of you all know, doing campaigns and marketing around this new product update so people know about it. So the careers page, press release, newsroom, LinkedIn profile, you could go through those pretty quickly to find out your information. The careers page is such an underrated hack. I think also just in marketing in general, when you're trying to create ICP of people and you see, like, for example, if you're selling let's say like sales enablement software and you see they they're hiring 30 SDRs. Oh wait, maybe you need a software to like help, <laughs> maybe. help learn that. Yeah. You maybe you need yeah. something to do to help you onboard these 30 people that you're going to, um, exactly. So it's just such an under, and there's so many signs of scale and growth just from a career page. So I love that, that tip. I just want to give a shout out to Morgan. He just launched a newsletter called The Commish. He's dropping some fire sales tips. And also, I said this earlier in the live, and I'm going to keep saying this. Marketers need to understand salespeople. That's why I talk to Morgan all the time, because he gives me so many insights in the in the sales realm that I I don't really know because I haven't been a salesperson necessarily. But it helps me get perspective of when I'm creating marketing campaigns, how, what are the day-to-day -day salesperson goes through? How can I better assist them? What content could I create to help them become better at their job? So I just want to point that out. Um, Morgan, do you have anything that you want to like share that we haven't shared about anything about videos or emails that you think are some killer points? Oh, I was going to share, but we have this here. Favorite email campaigns that I've seen. I probably probably have to look at those more than I do. Daniel. I, I like, but also I like the brand too much. Like, this is so biased. I personally like. I just like stance. I like their campaigns. I like their branding. Like for me, 
they're always my favorite because they do it right especially when they had the star wars drop i was like i bought those immediately so (laughs) that's that's me i like stance their campaigns are always on point but daniel i don't know if you you have a i mean i'll answer it in two ways chubbies is like my favorite i just love a brand that could bring humor into their their regular email campaign so chubbies is one of my favorite they're just if you go check out for just email marketing stuff for outreach perspectives what i I have a question on this like you've probably got a lot of cold outreach from a lot of people what what companies have you seen that are crushing cold outreach that do it so well oh that's a that's a that's a a big one oh doing it Who's doing it really well? I mean, look, I'll I'll give them a shout out because I know it as a fact that they do a good job and they express it a lot on LinkedIn and they also have a really good leader. Uh, Clary does a really good job with their cold outbound emails. Like I've seen it from other people in the space have told me that they've sent some really good personalization. So I definitely will show some love to Clary. Uh, they do a good job. And then another one that I got was really good, which was Class. The, the company's just called Class. So they also um, have done a really good job with their uh, outbound outreach. So yeah, those two, solid. Someone asked a question in LinkedIn, does cold calling still work? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's still, it's still, it still works. Here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Cold calling still works. It's just the context point is, are you willing to work? That's like what it comes down to because most people will do like 20 calls and like call it a day. Now you have other tools out there, like shout out to Orem, right? Where you can do like power dialing and you can like avert the issue of the connect. So cold calling still works because cold call and get meetings until the day someone, all teams hit me up and say, Hey Morgan, we are making cold calls and we're getting zero meetings. It's still alive and well. It just depends on your segment, your industry region. And I understand that, but it still works to answer the question simply. Which part of like the content creation process is your favorite, Morgan? The ideation, the research, or the writing part of it? For me, it's the it's the ideation, one hundred percent. Like, if y'all. Daniel knows how many ideas I have on a, on, a, on a five second basis where it's like, hey, uh, yeah, don't do that. Can't do this. Nope. Like I have a lot of them. So the ideation for me is my favorite because I, I like to take a lot of different concepts. If you follow my concept before, I like taking different concepts and bring it together. So ideation for me is like my favorite part and truly bringing that to life. I love doing. I saw this from Mr. Beast, which is was, was pretty interesting. He, he was like, for some things like big campaigns and stuff like that and big contents, it's better to think of like a 10x idea than do 10x more little things that are average. I agree to an extent. I think when you're starting, you have to have quantity to get to quality. But at some point, you need to, once you start getting to quality, what's going to separate you even further is that being different, doing things that are yes. different than in the market. Morgan's done that with muffins with Morgan, which he, he's going to, I hopefully he brings that back soon. And then me and Morgan always trying to think of new ways to produce content. And this is one of the ways where I think LinkedIn live is a great place to produce content. I think this is fun, interactive, and I've enjoyed everybody on here. So I just want to give Morgan a little bit of time to just tell everybody what his he's doing right now. And if you have any last questions, please drop them in the chat and we'll try and answer them in the last two minutes. Yeah, definitely drop them in the chat. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna echo what uh, Daniel is talking about here. So I'm spending a good amount of my time uh, building out this newsletter called The Commish. And we <laughs> it's been it's been fun doing it so far. Uh, 
And if you want to get involved and you want to get some more additional sales tips or for people that are listening that are marketers and you want your sales team to get on it, subscribe to it. It's just called the commish. Uh, we can, we can drop it in here or wherever, but the whole thing is that like, I want to be able to make sales fun and also make business fun. So a lot of my content's around that. So the commission, the newsletter is the main focus I have right now, alongside the content creation I have on LinkedIn. Um, someone is asking, what is the author of the book opposed to? No, I think that's the book you were mentioned. Do you know? The- uh, Captivate? Is that, is that what they're talking about? I think, I don't know. He's, someone asked the question opposed to, you mentioned an author. Oh, um, oh, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Never split the difference, Chris Voss. I would recommend, though, the book is good. The book is good. It's context. I get it. I think that his masterclass is better than, is his best content by far. Because what it does is it actually shows you examples of him doing the stuff that he talks about. So, I don't know, for me, I'm a visual person and I like seeing examples. So, like, he does it and it was just easier for me to pick it up. And so, I do it on a day-to-day basis. So, it's just something to check out. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks to Morgan J. Agron for joining. Next week, we're going to have my wife, Ari Murray, join, and she's an e-commerce expert. She's going to talk about how to create content that converts. But Morgan, thank you for joining. This has been awesome. You, you crushed it. Also, everybody, if you want more tips about selling through email and video, Morgan has some killer tips. He's news that it has that he produces on LinkedIn. You guys are, he is a, a killer when it comes to this. But thank you, everybody, for joining. This has been awesome. I appreciate everybody who joined. Awesome. Appreciate everybody. Hope you all have a blessed rest of the day and uh, hope hopefully to see y'all around on LinkedIn. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.